Luke chapter 24, verse number 44. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he says, uh, These are my words which I, I spoke to you while I was with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus spoke the living word of God. He spoke it to his disciples. He was instructing them and teaching them in the word of God. Hallelujah. We, when we read the Bible, when we read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, God is instructing you. Do you believe that? God is speaking to you. Do you believe that? It's just as if Jesus was there looking you in the eye and talking to you. When we read the Word of God, the Word of God is alive. It lives. It breathes. It's just not a word on a page. It is alive. God's Word is alive. Say it with me. God's Word is alive. Hallelujah. And Jesus says, these, were, these are my words, not somebody else's words. Jesus is not quoting uh, anybody. He's not quoting Socrates. He's not quoting anybody. He, he says, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things, notice his words, pay attention to his word, that all things must be what? Fulfilled. Jesus was making a statement there. And he didn't expand on it right there. But those words, that all things must be fulfilled, means that Jesus is telling his disciples, he's telling you and I, that to trust in God's word. Saying that God's word is sure. God's word is true. God's word is faithful. It says in Numbers that has God's, you know, when, when Balak was trying to get Balaam to curse God's people, God spoke to Balaam and he says, go tell this to Balak. Am I, am I a man that I should repent? If I said it, will I not do it? And if I spoke it, will I not bring it to pass? And then he says, Balak says back to Balaam, well, well then neither bless nor curse. And, and he, Balaam says, don't you get it? It's not up to me. The blessing doesn't come to me. The blessing comes from God. And if God says they're blessed, they're blessed. When God, see, we've got to believe God's word that if God said it, it is true. And if God spoke it, it will come to pass. And that's why Jesus says to his disciples that these words I'm speaking to you must be fulfilled, meaning they will come to pass. Do you believe God's word? That's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. Believe what I'm telling you. Everything in prophecy. See, Jesus was telling them what God prophesied will surely come to pass. I believe it. I believe he came and I believe he's coming again. Because the same God who spoke all those prophecies concerning Jesus' birth death and resurrection, the same God has declared that not only was he born, died and resurrected, but he will come again. I believe it. Do you? Hallelujah. And so Jesus was telling them, listen, 
if all this is going to be fulfilled, if everything that God set up to now has been fulfilled, why would we not dare to believe him for tomorrow and for today? That what God speaks over your life through his word is in effect. And he says, all these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. That's why we cannot cut out the Old Testament. We cannot cut out the books of Moses and we cannot cut out the prophets and we cannot cut out the Psalms. There's people that said to me, the Old Testament is not to be read anymore because it's done away with. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus says there's prophecies in the Old Testament. There's prophecies in the writings of Moses. There's prophecies in the writings of the prophets. There's writings in the Psalms that concern not only his first coming, but his second coming. And so all of God's word is to be studied. All of God's word is to be believed. Now we know that, that a lot of what was in the old has been fulfilled in Christ, but there's still more to come. How do you know that? There is still more to come. God's word doesn't fade away. God's word never becomes old. Electronic equipment becomes outdated. Fashion becomes outdated. Food gets outdated. Don't eat it when it's beyond, way beyond its expiration point. But God's word never becomes outdated. You can eat the word of God anytime, any day, and you don't have to worry that it expired because God's word never expires. And God's word pertains to every generation. I don't care what style uh, the fashion is for that generation or that year. It doesn't matter what the style is. It doesn't matter the, the increase in technology. What matters, God's word is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that. And Jesus was trying to tell them everything God spoke will come to pass because God does not lie. God will bring it to pass. Hallelujah. That was a little pre-introduction. Now, let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane because understanding what Jesus was teaching his disciples. We spoke last time about Jesus being in the garden and it was at night. After the Passover dinner, they went into the, Jesus took them into the Garden of Gethsemane. And <clears throat> praise the Lord. Remembering Jesus is Alpha and Omega, first and the last, beginning and the end. He knows all things. He knew what purposes were. He knew what was going on. The disciples didn't. They just said, Jesus, we believe you and we'll follow you. Are you going to follow Jesus no matter where he leads you? If you're with Jesus, everything will be all right. No matter what you face. No matter what you face. 
If you go through the fires, you will not drown. If you go through the, I mean, if you go through the fires, you will not be burned. If you go through the waters, you will not drown, right? Do you believe that? Do you believe that, that no matter what you go through in life, if, G, if Jesus, if you're following Jesus, it, he'll see you through. It'll come to pass. Well, it was nighttime in the garden when Jesus took his disciples there. Nighttime is, is not a time when people have parties and celebrate, most people. Nighttime is a time when most people are asleep. Snoring, some snore and some don't. Some snore louder than others. But nighttime is a time for Betty by going to sleep, closing them little eyes, or them big eyes, or whatever. And therefore, things that are done at night escape the eyes of many people, and the activities of the night seem to be hid in darkness because most everybody is asleep. Dreaming dreams, unless they ate pepperoni pizza, we don't know what kind of dreams they might be dreaming. But people in Jerusalem were sound asleep, most of them. But on that night when the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was arrested and he was brought, dragged to mock trials, most of Jerusalem was sleeping away, unaware, totally unaware of what was taking place in the garden. Many of the people that were sleeping were followers of Christ. Many of those who were sleeping were touched by Jesus in their lifetime. Many of those that were sleeping were followers of the Lord. But they were asleep. But on that night, the Jewish religious leaders, Roman soldiers, Roman officials, and Jesus did not sleep. We said that last time. The night became filled with all kinds of terror, unjust, illegal activity. It was a terrible night for Jesus. It was a terrible night for his disciples. And the religious leaders, the Roman soldiers, the governor, were all in that night violating their own laws. The night was filled with violation. Violation. Violence. Because they discarded their own laws, broke their own rules and regulations, and they went after Jesus in the night when they thought everyone else, most of his followers, were asleep. We can get away with this. We can do this. If we do it at night, when most of his disciples, most of his followers are sound asleep in their beds, we can get away with this. They thought most of his disciples and followers were asleep. Psalm 121 says, God neither slumbers nor sleeps. The people in Jerusalem might have been sound asleep, snoring away. God bless them. 
but God never slumbers nor sleeps. Whatever was done in that night was under the watchful knowing eye of God Almighty. Jesus knew full well what was taking place, but God knew it, seen everything, heard every word, seen every action. Darkness cannot hide the hearts or the actions or the words or the deeds of man. How many of you know that? Darkness cannot hide anything from God. Maybe perhaps from men, but not from God Almighty. And God was in control of all things. God was not surprised by the actions of that night. God was, was not shocked, in a sense, by the actions of that night. He knew what was in their hearts. He knew what their desires and their plans were. But they didn't know what God's plan was. Hallelujah. For had they known, they would never have gone and did what they did to Jesus. Had they known that they were playing a role in bringing forth the fulfillment of all of God's words, the enemy would have said, stop. That we may prove God a liar. But no man can prove God a liar. Because God is not a liar. He is, the, he is God of truth. Satan is the father of lies. Hallelujah. And so going into that night, you see, the night didn't just happen and somebody say, hey, I got a great idea. Why, why don't we just uh, go get Jesus right now? How many of you know what an agenda is? An agenda is something that is planned ahead of time. And it could be a list of things to talk about. It could be a list of things to do. But an agenda is something that is made up in advance that you and a group of others want to do. And the religious leaders had made up an agenda, along with the Romans, made up an agenda way before that night began. And they knew what they were going to do. And they just needed to wait for nighttime to be put their agenda into action. Or to make that agenda begin. So they had an agenda for that night. And it was an agenda that was birthed and compiled out of unbelief. You see, the religious leaders did not believe that Jesus was God's son. They did not believe that Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah. The, Roman gov the Romans could care less about the religious things, but they cared about uh, the keeping order and keeping things in place. And so there was an agenda made up by the religious leaders because of their unbelief concerning Jesus. Had they believed, they never would have made such an agenda. They never would have done the things that they did. But they did what they did. They planned what they planned because of unbelief in their heart. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 says, Take heed, brethren. Take heed, brethren. Least there be in any of you an evil heart 
of unbelief in departing from the living God. It says, take heed, brethren. It doesn't say, take heed, Gentiles. It says, take heed, brethren. Those who believe, who say they believe. It says, take heed, lest there be any unbelief in you. And that unbelief will engender and create evil in your heart. And what is manifest in the heart comes out through words and deeds and actions. Take heed, brethren. When people say they are followers of Jesus, that they believe in Jesus, but they say, I don't believe that God's word is for today. I don't believe that healing is for today. I don't believe that tithing is for today. I don't believe that this is for today. I don't believe that this is for today. That is creating a heart of unbelief in, of God's word in their heart. Yes. God is a God of love, but it says, Take heed, brethren, brethren, lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief. If we disbelieve any portion of God's word, if we say, oh, all these chapters are good, but this chapter, it's hard to take. I don't think God really meant that. That's unbelief. And unbelief, God says, is, creates an evil heart. It creates evil thoughts. It creates evil words coming out of your mouth. Words that harm. Words that accuse. Words that damage. And it's unbelief that at work in the heart and mind that breeds discord, disrespect, and division in the body of Christ. Unbelief. Unbelief. Why is there so much division in the, quote, church? Because of unbelief. They, this group doesn't believe this about God's Word. This group doesn't believe that. This group doesn't believe that. I'm here to tell you at Bloomsburg Community Church, I believe every word of God to be true. I don't care what anyone says. I believe the Word of God. God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. If he said this is for every generation, it is for us. But unbelief in a heart creates division, discord, disrespect. Why were the prophets of God put to death? Why are the prophets of God thrown in cisterns and thrown in other things? Because of unbelief. The people didn't want to hear what they had to say. We don't believe that. Get into jail. Get into, into the cistern. Get it. And this is what unbelief does. It creates violence. It creates hatred. It creates anger. It creates uh, uh, people wanting to come against. Because they want to hold on to their unbelief. And they say, this is what we believe. This is our unbelief that we're taking hold of. The Bible says, take heed, brethren. Take heed, let there least there be any, an evil heart of unbelief. Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. Jesus said, 
uh, the Word of God says, and he did not, meaning Jesus, he did not many mighty works there because, because of their unbelief. Why is it things don't happen in the churches? Because there's unbelief. Whenever there was people in one accord believing God, great things happened. But it says Jesus himself, listen, Jesus himself could not do miracles because of unbelief. Churches are filled with people who will sit like this. I don't believe God is going to work. I don't believe God is going to heal that person. I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't. And they sit there and they, they sing songs, but then, ah. Hey, this is reality. This is truth. But God says, brethren, take heed, believe God's word. Have faith, trust. Believe God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will not change. People fight over versions of the Bible. If you're not reading the King James Version, you're going to hell. That's unbelief. You're believing your little thing, and you think God... Did the disciples have the King James Version? If you want the real Bible, go read the Septuagint. Go read the Greek. But do you think God cannot save someone because they're not reading the King James Version of the Bible? That's unbelief. That's unbelief. You're saying, I don't believe that you're going to heaven because you're not reading the King James. That's unbelief in the heart of an individual. The devil tries to get people caught up in religiosity, in legalism, in laws, in man-made things of what is right and what is wrong. God is love. God is compassion. His word, if a person believes the word of God, it will deliver them, set them free if they repent of their sins. And anyone who sits in judgment according to their finite belief is having unbelief that God is the Savior of the world. You see, it was unbelief in the religious leaders that created an agenda to falsely accuse Jesus. And throughout the night, Jesus went from place to place. He was subjected again and again to quick trials. All of them were shams. You know what a sham is? Shams? Shameful. It shows how all men sin. They were shams. They were mockeries. The Jewish law at the time forbidden trials at night. 
it was against Jewish law to hold a trial at night. Yet Caiaphas had on his agenda that they would try Jesus at night in a Jewish court with false witnesses, false testimony, because their agenda was birthed out of unbelief and an evil heart was in them. And so they didn't care about breaking Jewish law. Their agenda was to get Jesus out of the way. And if they had to violate their own laws to do it, so be it. But they violated their own laws because they had an agenda birthed out of an evil heart, an un heart of unbelief in him. And as Jesus stood before the Roman governors, by Roman law, he was entitled to a defense. But he was denied that even there because there was collusion between the Jewish leaders and the Romans to bring forth the agenda of the Jewish religious leaders. The religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, they even brought in false witnesses, testimonies that contradicted one another. This was part of their agenda. Bring in false witnesses that we might accuse him. And even though none of those witnesses, they were all conflicting, disagreeing, Caiaphas, the, the priest, he listened to them anyway, knowing that they were lying. Because there was an agenda in his heart that was evil. Why? Because he had unbelief. Unbelief is serious. Unbelief is dangerous. Unbelief causes all kinds of discord, divisions, and problems. And unbelief brings forth death. And even the Roman governor, Pilate, when he sentenced Jesus to death, how many times even then? He said, I find no fault in this man. I find no fault with this man. You see, they had an evil heart of unbelief. And when someone has a heart of unbelief, I don't care how the degree of it is, when there's unbelief, you see how the Jewish leaders handled Jesus? You see how the Romans handled Jesus? They handled him with disrespect, irreverence. They mocked him. They spit on him. They scourged him. Because of unbelief, they had no problem handling Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lamb of God. They had no problem hand handling him with dishonor and disrespect and disregard. That is how unbelief creates, that is what, how unbelief causes an individual to handle Jesus. And that's why the Bible says, take heed, brethren, that there be no evil heart of unbelief in you. Because once unbelief gets in your heart, you start handling Jesus differently. We've got to take care how we handle the Word of God, how we handle Jesus. We have to handle Him with respect, with honor, with reverence, with holiness. The Bible says the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible knows the Word. God knows what goes on in the hearts. And that's why Jesus, God, warns us. 
If unbelief gets in your heart, it's evil, and you will handle my son in a disrespectful way. The words of Jesus don't mean that much to you anymore. That if you violate the word of God, it's like, oh well, God will forgive me. It's not that if we, if we, if we, if we mess up, that doesn't mean we, um, we don't believe. I'm saying is when, when we start getting attitude, I don't care. I do what I want. God will forgive me. That's unbelief in saying that God wants my life changed. God wants me to walk in righteousness and holiness. And if I think that I can live any way I want and God has to forgive me, that's unbelief that God wants to change your life, that God is calling you to live a, a different lifestyle than when he, before, after he saved you. The things I used to do, I can't do them anymore because I know God has called me to a higher standard, to a higher walk, to a higher call, to a higher lifestyle. And if I disregard that and think that I can live however I want to live because God loves me, I'm disbelieving the word of God. And that breeds disrespect, irreverence. That, that breeds a whole slew of stuff at work in a person's life that makes them spiritually sick, spiritually diseased, to say the least. Unbelief handles Jesus like that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Elsewhere in the Bible it says we've handled him, the disciples. We've touched him. Who is the author of life? Who is holy? Who is righteous and true? Who is our Savior and our salvation? How shall we not love him? How shall we not serve him? How shall we not bow before him? You see, Jesus endured all those trials from Annas, from, from the Sanhedrin and all of those. He went through all of that stuff. They wanted unbelief, wanted Jesus silenced. Oh, unbelief does not want the word of God to come forth. Unbelief does not want the word of God heard because the word of God creates faith. Faith creates a change in life and lifestyle. And that is why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how shall it go unless God sends someone? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But the devil is trying to silence the word of God. He's trying to silence Jesus because it will upset their carts when people start believing on Jesus and taking on faith and living in righteousness. Their carts become upset and overturned. You see, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, Jesus told his disciples that I must suffer in 16, verse, chapter 16, verse 21 of Matthew. He says, I must suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Jesus knew, 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 and knows. He knew what was going to take place. And he knew through whom? 
through people whose hearts were filled with unbelief, the religious leaders, the scribes, others. God, Jesus, was not surprised by that night. God was not woken up and say, do you realize what's happening? You better wake up. God full well knew, Jesus full well knew what was taking place because of the hearts of unbelief that night. Jesus tried to teach it to his disciples, but they didn't want to hear it. They didn't, they didn't want to believe it. No, Jesus, you're not going to be killed. You're not going to have to suffer. You're, you're the king. You're going you're to go in and we're going to conquer Rome. I really may not say that was unbelief because they loved him, they were real, but they didn't want to accept that. Come on, Jesus, now, you're, you can't be killed, no. Yes. Yes. Because Jesus says, everything that was written of me in Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms must come to pass, must be fulfilled. That's why every prophecy from Hebrews, from the Old Testament scriptures and about Christ, about his life, death, and resurrection had to be fulfilled. That's why in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it began, it, it, it began about the prophecies. In John chapter 3, verse 14, it says, as Moses was lifted up, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus was, was referring to the scriptures in Numbers, saying that that had to be fulfilled, and what Numbers was talking about was me, that I need to be lifted up, put upon a cross, and rise. Read Psalm 22. All of it speaks about Christ going to the cross. being broken for you and for me. Everything that was taking place that night was taking place because of you. Because of you. Because Jesus loved you. Jesus saw that if he didn't go through that night, if he didn't go to the cross, you would be dead in your sins. You would be separated from him forever. And Jesus could not bear the thought of you being separated from him for eternity. He could not bear the thought. He could have easily left the garden, as we said last week, but he chose to save you. He chose to love you and redeem you. He chose to take your place on Calvary's cross. He chose to be mocked and beaten and spit upon because he saw you. Jesus was fulfilling every prophecy concerning him. And so as we look back at all of that and we see that Jesus fulfilled all of that, what has that got to do with me today? How does that affect my life today, my walk with Jesus? Well, when we stop and think that Jesus endured all of that stuff, that he fulfilled every prophecy, that he was faithful in keeping all those promises of the Old Testament. 
if I look back and see that Jesus was faithful to fulfill every prophecy, every word, every scripture concerning his death and resurrection for me, that means that today I can believe him that his word will be fulfilled in and upon my life today. I can believe him that his word will will come to pass tomorrow if the Lord tarries. It means Jesus is faithful and true. It means that Jesus suffered all these things because he knew the suffering we go through every day. Some of the trials and things we face. And Jesus knows about suffering. Jesus knows about false trials. Jesus knows about false accusations. Jesus knows uh, 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 about everything that uh, anyone goes through in life. And therefore, the Bible says, he knows your struggles He knows what you go through. He knows your agony. He knows your hurt. He knows your shame. He knows all this. And yet, he loves you enough to walk with you through it all, to take you through it all, that he may give you comfort and strength through your journey of life today and every day that you breathe. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can walk through the day today. Because Jesus suffered more than I could ever suffer. He endured more than I could ever endure. And Jesus says that I will cast all my cares upon him because he cares for me. And he surely he will walk with me and talk with me and be with me through the days of my life. And if I look unto him, he's the author and the finisher of my faith. He loves me with an everlasting love. He endured all that for me. He's taking me on a journey home. And I'm going to give you some scriptures as we close. And write these down and look at them. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 to 16. God wants us to believe his word, believe his word, believe his word. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can go boldly to the throne of grace and find help and find all that you need? People have spoken to me. I don't pray because God does what he does and he doesn't need me to pray. I just believe God's going to work. That's unbelief. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, pray. Go to your father and pray. Come boldly before the throne of God. And it says, and and seek. Belief says, I'm going to the throne. Faith says, I'm going to my father with prayer, in prayer. I'm going to my father with this. You see this report? Father, father, I believe you. 
Joshua 1, 5, the word of God says, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Elsewhere it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus will not leave you nor forsake you? That every breath you breathe, God is there with you, comforting you, strengthening you, guiding you. He is your shepherd. He is your God. Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3. When you pass what I read before, fear not. When you go, my battery. Fear not. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. For I am the Holy One of God. I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Romans 6, 23. You all know this. The wages of sin is death. Do you believe that? Sin has wages. So why would we want to continue in sin when its wages are death? But the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, how many of you believe in the gift of God? It says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Do you believe you got eternal life through Jesus Christ? Do you believe he's washed away by his blood? He's washed away your sins by his stripes. You have been healed. Do you believe it? Romans 8, what can separate us from the love of God? It goes through a whole list. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. As long as you believe on Jesus and walk with him, nothing that you go through should be able to separate you from his love. Nothing. Nothing. Do you believe God loves you every breath you breathe? Do you believe God's compassions were new upon you this morning? Do you believe God loves you? That is one of the worst things that come into a person's heart. Unbelief that they don't know. I don't know. I just don't know if God loves me. I don't know. I don't think he loves me. He loves a lot of people, but I don't think he can love me. Get rid of that unbelief and start believing God loves you. God loves you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. We need to be encouraged by the faithfulness and the promises of God contained and given to us through his word. That's why we can go on and live life because we have God who's a life-giving God. He rose again from the dead to prove that he alone is God. There is no other. And that we don't have to live every day of our life alone, left to our own devices, left to our own strength, left to our own wisdom, left to our own knowledge. God is walking with us every, every day that we wake up. And that's why as we wake up each day and walk the road of life, 
we know that Jesus is with me, never leaving me nor forsaking me. He's at work in my life because he loves me. He endured all that on, in Gethsemane's garden and all because he loves me and he's able to comfort me when I go through whatever it is that I have to face today. But I know he's my strength, he's my song, he's my sustainer, he's my savior, he's my God. And I know one thing for sure, Jesus is faithful and true. He will not lie. He cannot lie. If he said it, he will do it. If he promised it, he will bring it to pass over my life. That's why in Revelation, and let me give you these three scriptures and we're done. Revelation 19, 11, the Bible said, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Hallelujah. Jesus is faithful and true. That is a sure thing. Hallelujah. He's faithful and true. Hallelujah. And in Revelation 21, verse 5, He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things, these words are faithful and true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in Revelation 22, 6, And he said unto me, These sayings, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which shortly must be done or must come to pass. Jesus is faithful and true. He went through everything in the garden to fulfill the word of God, saying, believe. Jesus saying, these things must be fulfilled, that you might be saved, that I might be able to, to, to come into your life and walk with you and talk with you and, be, and, and just oh, know the love of God. Do you believe he's faithful and true? Take this word to heart, all of it. Believe it. Don't let any man convince you otherwise. Don't let any religious institute organization, don't let anyone stand behind a pulpit and tell you that the word of God is not for today. Don't let anyone lie to you and rob you of your joy and of your victory. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone put the cloak of darkness over your eyes. Open your eyes and see. God has taken us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He is faithful and true. If he said it, he will do it. And if he spoke it, he's going to bring it to pass in my life, in your life, in our lives. And we believe the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me.